Hello, sister. Hello, sister. Welcome to Later Think of Rosewood, a podcast deep dive into the characters, themes, and plot of ABC Family's Pretty Little Liars. My name is Haley. And I'm Morgan. So today we're talking about the parenting, because of course, the parenting in Rosewood is next level. And we have to figure out who the worst parent is. And so what better way to do that than a bracket? We're going to be comparing all of the parents and figure out just who is the worst parent. The worst of the worst, really. The worst of the worst. And we're going to be <laughs> looking at uh, the liar's parents and then also Allison's parents, because like, you just can't, you can't talk about who the worst parent is without including the dealer entities. <laughs> yeah, it, it, to disregard them would just be incomplete. Well, <laughs> so, I, I guess Haley I guess that this uh addresses maybe the concern of whether or not we're spending enough time together still now that I'm in India yeah and we are answer so we're it's good. fine <laughs> okay so let's hit us with the first our... pairing yeah first pairing is ooh, Byron Montgomery and Wayne Fields oh so who should we start with <laughs> Let's start with Byron. He's he's listed yeah. first. So let's talk. I think maybe we maybe we need to play a little uh, high low with each of the mm. parents. Yes, I love that start idea. Start out with what's their what's their highest moment as a parent? What what's their lowest? The lows are okay. going to be low, and the highs are not <laughs> medium going to be very high. <laughs> I think Byron's high is his the way in which he handled Ezria that's your high yeah that's your high for Byron because I think he was adequately uh furious and tried to break them up what would your high be I mean it wouldn't be that I don't know I found that I found his like was he correct to be like these this is wrong and these two should not be together and to be angry with Ezra about it and all that sure but also I don't know I think that he made it a little bit too much about himself he True. didn't he he wasn't well, co-parenting right like we he really said went, we said it wasn't gonna be very high. I know I know I think um I think that his high for me I, it's one of two things it's either yeah. him talking to Aria about her time in the dollhouse when she opens up with him and like shows oh, him the yeah. photos or it's him like decide like deciding that he's going to go to the police and tell them about what happened between him and Allison with her blackmailing him um because I, and it was mostly his reasoning for that right which is like I don't want there to ever be any doubt in your mind that I was involved in it that's because true. obviously the stuff associated with that bad bad parenting but his like reasoning for going to the police even though like but he didn't need to right like Arya wasn't going to go to the police yeah and so that was like I I still I would say that's a higher moment at least than his reaction to the Ezria situation I think that that's fair although he doesn't go to the police does he no but Arya makes that decision yeah Arya is like I don't want you to and like shows that like she she's not she believes him right like there's no doubt in her mind 
Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, should he oh, maybe still have gone? To I the actually police? have yeah. another high. I have another high oh. for him. Again, I don't think it's very high, but I think he handled Mike's kind of mental health crisis, depression, better than Ella. Mm. But yeah. we can talk about that with Ella. But he was yeah. like, you know, pretty. I think desperate to get help for his yeah. son in a way that I think was pretty pretty admirable again it's yeah. like bare minimum yeah and that's the same thing with like how he handled the Ezra thing it's like this is bare minimum like you should be furious about this and want this man locked up but yeah what so then we we've done a surprising amount of praising of Byron what are our lows <laughs> that. what are his lows yeah where do we start first of all like making your like teenage daughter lie to her mother about your affair yeah and having an affair with your ta to begin with i mean yeah that's a low person point less about his parenting yeah and then getting back together with that woman who and immediately moving the your mistress into the house insane and then uh, oh. accusing and then accusing Arya of blowing her up, blowing Meredith up. So this is around mm-hmm. the time where Mona's back, she's better. They have their uh they have their little 10k, which is quite a lot for just like a little charity fun run, but what, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, I mean the liars didn't do it. They <laughs> snuck off and went went to the enough. basement of the school to get clues. Fair enough. Um, anyways, and like Meredith is volunteering at this at the finish line or something, and she's gets that note that tells her to go get something, and then like the shipping container explodes in a firebomb. And later on, Byron accuses Arya of Arya and her friends of doing that. Yeah. That's so shitty. That yeah. is and then when basically accuses Arya says daughter then, of murder. Right. Or attempted murder. And then yeah. Arya says, no, we had nothing to do with this. And he still doesn't fully seem to believe her. He like, did one of your little friends have something to do with it? I know yeah. what you guys are capable of. And like, it's like, yeah, I just can't imagine like thinking that about your child, unless your child was Allison. And yeah. uh and like just not instantly believing them. Like, sure, maybe ask. But then we also have to talk about like part of the reason he believes that she did this is because of whatever happened on Meredith's first day at school, which as a reminder was literally nothing. Like Aria was, was texting like, in class and yeah, Meredith unless, took her phone. I don't, and we don't know what the text said, but unless that text message was, God, I hate <laughs> Meredith, we should blow her up. I just don't <laughs> see how that makes him think that she might've tried to murder Meredith. <laughs> Yeah, unless the text was, let's kill this bitch. <laughs> There's no reason that, like, yeah. And then, like, all of the the rest of the girls kind of stay back in class kind of as support to Arya. And, like, I think we're supposed to believe that this is ganging up on Meredith in some way. And it's, like, absolutely not. The like, adult teacher. <laughs> this is a total, like, those are good friends. Like, yeah. I have one more thing on that kind of oh, okay. around that whole time it's a really it's a string of bad parenting moves from yeah. Byron. so this is once again this is right after Mona is back and out of Radley and after he accuses Arya of this attempted murder he 
stands outside her door and overhears her talking on the phone to one of her friends saying, A's trying to make it look like we did this. Mm -hmm. So he overhears Aria say that A's back and like, and does nothing about this. Yeah, he does nothing. He's fine with it. He's like, must be another A. Yeah. And it's like probably just my bitch daughter lying again. The coincidence that like this is also again the same episode where Mona is back from Radley. It's not even like he has the excuse of well Mona's in Radley, so it couldn't be Mona. Like no, Mona's back. It just yeah. So the thing that I I have another thing that also has to do with Meredith. Most (laughs) of his bad parenting is related to Meredith. Yes, Uh, and when Arya admits to Byron that she trashed his office because she she gets one of the earrings back after Allie's body is taken, like the earring that she had put into the casket with the body that was what her and Allie found this like earring in Byron's office on the couch. And that's how Allie convinced Aria, like, oh, he's still seeing her. And then Aria in like a fit of anger with Allie trash Byron's office and make it look like Meredith did it. Mm-hmm. And you know, and again, Aria's like, 13 14 at this time aria comes clean to byron and years later uh and comes clean to byron and says like i actually was the one that trashed your office it wasn't meredith and he first of all furious he's so angry and i'm like yeah how can you be angry at your daughter at 14 after you forced her to keep this secret about you having an affair getting angry and trashing your office and framing your mistress like that that is very understandable behavior from a 14 year old and then he forces her to apologize to Meredith he forces his daughter to go apologize to his mistress it's infuriating it's so crazy and it like it really kind of I think it really kind of highlights the way that Byron and Ella don't view their children as children. And I think, you know, when you're younger, you kind of like that. But like looking back on that from like an adult perspective, those were children. And yeah. like and you, the way you kind of expect their children to react to things like a fully grown adult is unhealthy and like an unnecessary amount of pressure. Yeah, like I definitely think that Aria and Mike, you know, in when, you know, they're in their 30s or whatever and like reflect on their childhood, I think we'll probably be like, wow, I wish that I had received a little bit more like grace and understanding for Mm -hmm. my childlike behavior. Anything else that, so those those are his highs and lows. Anything else for Byron that we need to cover? I think that that's good. I do looking at our notes that we had for Byron to like make sure we don't miss anything I love we've got this like list of his like bad moments and then there's a bullet point labeled good parent moments and then it's blank there's nothing (laughs) under it (laughs) so we gotta move on from Byron you're right (laughs) we've talked about him so much and obviously this first round is gonna take the longest yes uh Wayne Fields is the other one in this bracket if people can remember from 20 (laughs) minutes ago when we started this 30 minutes I don't know uh Waynefields highs I think that the high for me for Waynefields is I think he genuinely likes to spend time with Emily 
and yeah. that whole episode where he's come Maya is missing I think it's the father's no- father knows best episode at the end of season two um Maya is missing and um Emily's really concerned about it and he's in town kind of like on a surprise trip or maybe it was just for the dance I don't know well it's because um, he's about to ship right, off with army right, right. Mm-hmm. and she's like really preoccupied with this and instead of like you know doing something fun together or whatever like he just like helps her and like goes out and investigates where Maya could be with her and like I think he just like really wants what's best for her and he's happy to spend time with her doing anything yeah I think yeah I think that's a great that's a great high and I would say for me the high is either that one or it's his like response to her coming out yeah because I think that he like you know obviously Pam didn't handle that well I'm glad that Emily had him at least that was like accepting and like not judgmental or angry or anything Mm -hmm. um but also he was like I don't know I I I, I think I would still give the high to your moment though yeah yeah well because I think what's interesting about how he handled her coming out is and I think what is like a good parent move I mean it's a bad beliefs move but good parent move is he it's not like he disagreed with Pam like Mm -hmm. he had a lot of the same feelings as Pam did but he managed them in a way that I think was much more supportive of Emily than obviously Pam kind of just like being very open with her disgust and disappointment like Wayne he was prioritizing making sure that like his daughter felt loved totally and yeah like his definitely knock him for his like homophobic beliefs but he did handle those beliefs I think in a better way than Pam yes yeah and yeah I'm trying to think any other any other highs from Wayne Fields oh I mean he climbed he scaled a building that's true. He scales the building, not even knowing for sure, I think, that she was, like, he just knew that she was terrified. Yeah. So this and is when... Like, oh, yeah. We should explain. <laughs> so this is when Emily is, like, locked in a room in the school, and it's night. She was, like, printing something off for Ezra, I think, like, for a play. I don't remember. Yeah. But she's at the school, locked at night, and, like, things start kind of getting scary and like the lights are turned off and there's like a a led like letter board thing that says says, act normal bitch classic and she's kind of being like like, metal music blaring from the speakers and she barricades herself in a classroom on the second floor and then like somebody's trying to open the door obviously like i think a i don't think this is ezra (laughs) but yeah um and then her she like calls her dad to like come get her because like you know and he comes and he gets her and like she's locked up there and she like breaks through the window and yells at him and he like literally scales the side of the school and then like opens the window and like helps her climb out of this window and like to safety and then I mean he has a heart attack on the school lawn um yeah I mean that's not his fault no 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 not his fault (laughs) like it's like it's like that was a bad parent moment (laughs) I didn't mean it that way parents don't have heart attacks I've always said that um no but but yeah like he like literally like had no idea what was going on but he knew that his daughter was afraid and like 
potentially in danger and literally scale the building for her and like yeah that's impressive yeah um what are his worst moments I can only think of one I can only think of one there's one there's one really clear one and it's hard look the the moment we're all thinking of is when he does not show up after she is found after being kidnapped and held in a bunker for almost a month and he's just not there couldn't get time off army yeah and I think that like the challenge and it's hard to that blame one... him for that because that's obviously they couldn't get the actor or they just didn't have room in the episode to have right. every parent involved well because we but... talked about this actually how it was a very much like only moms in that yeah in those episodes but um I don't think we ever see him again do we yeah <laughs> when's the last time that we see Wayne Fields his last appearance is that heart attack because Ezra being like a that plot line is end of season four and Ashley being arrested for Wilden's murder right. is more like early mid season four yeah okay so yeah the the last that we see of Wayne Fields he has a heart attack that's tough but lives he doesn't die but then is dead in the flash forward from yes. I, what, I don't know if it was a heart attack or died in action. Unclear. I think I he know. died. I think he died in action because the thing that she looks at on their door when she comes home, that I think that like flag or whatever is hmm. supposed it, it does go to families of people who have died in action. Yeah. I believe. Well, what if he had a heart attack while in action? Double whammy. Could it be both? <laughs> it could be both. <laughs> um, anyways, so that's yeah. Wayne. But yeah, that's yeah so feels. his low his low is obviously like not being yeah. there. And it's it's and hard to has, fully yeah. blame him for that because again, I think that was obviously he doesn't exist in real life and that was just the writers not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> like and and even in the universe of the show, it was army that wasn't letting yes. him go. So it's like Which again, I have also, a yeah. I, I I find it hard to believe that Army wouldn't let him. Yeah. That seems that seems like a wild choice from Army. Oh, yeah. I, should we just? I, I'm assuming like Arrested Development's a pretty popular show. People understand that when we call it Army and not the Army, we're making an Arrested Development reference. It's just so, so ingrained in us. <laughs> That's what that is. We're it not also, dumb. Yeah, no, we're not. <laughs> um, so, who do we think? I mean, I think it's obvious, but like, who is the worst parent between Byron and Wayne? definitely byron easy because wayne's wayne's issues are negligence primarily because he's gone all the time and he's not around mm-hmm. but byron byron just has some active parenting <laughs> crimes yes agreed so it's gotta we've gotta give it to byron yeah so byron moves on to round two yeah okay our next pairing is ashley Marin and pam fields we're oh. really getting dads with dads and moms with moms so yeah. far. I'm impressed by this like <laughs> yeah. random This is randomized, generator. yeah. Okay. So All right. do we start with Ashley? Do we start with Pam? Let's start with Pam. We were just okay. talking about Wayne. So let's start yeah. with Pam. I think like Pam's obvious like her, oh wait, I guess we're doing highs then lows. So what are, what are Pam's highs? I mean, Pam's highs, I think when she stands up to, uh, to McCullers. Oh, so, so good. When, yeah. Yeah. So this is when uh when Paige's father is really upset 
because he thinks that like Emily's getting special treatment for being gay but like positive special treatment <laughs> and and it thinks that that's like stealing opportunities from Paige and of course Paige is very embarrassed and like apologetic about this but also afraid of her dad and McCullers like makes a scene and makes a scene in the cafeteria at one point in front of all these kids in front of all these kids and Emily and everything and and Pam finds out about this from Ella and when she finds out about this she goes and like confronts him in front of people like embarrasses him in front of people mm-hmm. kind of like the way that he did embarrass her daughter and that's like a great moment because Pam's really you know she's been making improvements to her attitudes about Emily's sexuality but this is like the moment really where where Emily realizes the Mm -hmm. change that her mother has kind of undergone and that her mom is going to stick up for her about this and Mm -hmm. it's a really it is a really sweet moment that's a that's a high for me for sure definitely um and I'm going to say a, a high for me for Pam is also the dinner that she invites Maya to mm-hmm. after Maya is back from True North. Yeah. Not that first one. No, not the first one. Um, but like the, you know, Maya's back from True North. Her and Emily have started dating again. And like Emily knows that her mother has made a lot of progress and she like wants to kind of repair this kind of you know relationship or like at least like bury some hatchets right that like Mm -hmm. there's some bad blood between Pam and and Maya uh and so she Maya comes over for dinner and um it's like Pam is like clearly very much trying and Maya's kind of being a little bit of a brat which yeah a child who was sent to maybe a conversion camp partially because of this woman like I get it like totally absolutely forgivable but Um, like not in the right necessarily right yeah so but anyways but I think it's like a good like Pam moment it kind of shows like Pam's growth and how much she is trying and I think she still doesn't like Maya obviously and maybe it's less because Maya is you know gay and like dating her daughter now and it's more because she just thinks Maya's like not good or whatever no. and it's gonna get weed is Emily the devil's into... lettuce <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> so but like you know Pam it kind of shows like Pam's trying Pam's growth and so I think that that's like a good moment for her even if it's you know she's still she's not perfect won't say that she's perfect or like has a perfect treatment of Maya or a perfect you know allyship to Emily or anything at all but um yeah, but I, nice. but I also think she kind of gets there, right? Like another high for me is like it's more of just a fun moment. But in the five years forward, that like lesbian bachelorette party. Oh my god! And how yes. Pam becomes like best friends with. Them. <laughs> yeah, that's a great. That's a great one. Yeah, uh, and just you know, again, shows how far I think Pam has come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So her low, I think, is obvious. Yeah. It's- yeah everything around Emily's coming out yeah does not handle that well yeah um, and her just like general I think sort of season one personality agree right yeah. like she's very like conservative like she has that thing about like Aria's pink stripes in her hair and stuff mm-hmm. like yeah that's all 
I will say also, because I, I'm sure this is going to come up with Ella, uh, Pam does also leave her daughter at one point. Like, leaves, True. she goes to Texas to be with Wayne. And, and of course, again, yes, Emily pushed her towards that. But also, yeah, your teenage daughter who's gone through ugh, a time, lot <laughs> uh, definitely needs you to be there with her and needs to be needs to not feel as though that is a sacrifice on your part and that's mm-hmm. the thing and you know this with Ella as well it's like you, yes your daughter like if your daughter is pushing you to like go so you can be with your boyfriend or your husband or whatever and like leave her your your job as a parent is definitely to to be like there is no place that I would rather be than with you mm-hmm. right I love yeah. my husband I love your father but like I I want to be here with you it's not about you know you needing me it's because I love you and I want to be with you that's what they need to feel yeah not exactly. as though you're making some sacrifice by staying behind with them yeah so not not great but like also I don't know she wasn't gone like that long and part of it was also I think they were all supposed to move and it was like Emily really didn't want to so it was a you know I'm gonna I'm gonna we'll we'll get to Ella later I'm gonna knock her more for that than I am Pam but yeah yeah it was also you know her husband not her boyfriend of two weeks or something (laughs) okay but we'll we'll get to Ella anyways so what's anything else from Pam for a while that covers it I will say like yeah I think she does not to spoil the decision that we'll make in this round that I think is I'm sure is clear but I think she does become one of the better parents that has like the best you know parent-child relationship that has the fewest blurred lines like there's a lot of blurred lines between these parents and their children and I think Pam always very appropriate yes relationship I think with Emily yeah she is supportive of her eventually and she but she also doesn't try to be a friend to her like she doesn't they have boundaries she doesn't encourage she doesn't encourage bad behavior from Emily that I think some of the other parents do it from time to time so I think like yeah there's no like codependency really yeah yeah so Ashley Ashley we love Ashley we do we do (laughs) but she really fucks things up a lot and like it's not all her fault like obviously a also targets her quite a bit but I think a targets her because she makes herself such an easy target yeah but let's start with her highs yeah okay uh highs I think I think that she definitely creates an environment where Hannah often feels very comfortable talking to her about things. Yes. And I think that that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's she sort definitely of a broad, like, yeah. She definitely creates a safe space for Hannah and she definitely like doesn't judge Hannah. Yeah. And, and like Hannah, also- Hannah feels comfortable because of that. Yeah, I think that she also, like, after the Caleb breakup thing, 
you know, she takes her to that place to smash plates. Uh-huh. Which is I I will say, yeah, I think it's good parenting. It obviously it helped Hannah. Technically not like the idea of catharsis of like engaging in violent behavior mm-hmm. as a way of like excising your your emotions is actually not recommended but it's you know, also I just to give incredibly... for not being up to date on the latest <laughs> psychological theories on that it's also just like incredibly wasteful oh yeah it's a bad earth move for her like yeah she is but not I, a friend of the it, planet yeah but I think ultimately it was like a good parent move like she yes. she I think identified something that Hannah kind of needed in that moment um, I'll also say I think that she has a really good way of knowing when and when not to engage in like I don't want to say punishment but like engage in like punishment I guess or in like discipline discipline there you go that's sort to engage yeah. in discipline right like Hannah comes back from um is this like it might be Lucas's party that he throws for his fake girlfriend um mm-hmm. oh, it's one of that's one she goes the- to a different school <laughs> yeah you have um, so basically lucas is throwing a party for his uh this isn't like season very one. real girlfriend definitely real girlfriend that he's definitely having sex with um yes. and she's definitely at this party somewhere like i don't know how hannah's not seen her yet but anyways <laughs> hannah's kind of like really struggling this is kind of deep in her alcoholism era when caleb comes back to town and she's just like this is after Ravenswood. And anyways, so she goes home and she's like obviously drunk and, you know, very upset. And she's kind of half awake, half asleep on her bed. And Ashley's like, if, you know, I I want to be furious with you. And like, she wants to like, obviously like discipline her for this behavior. But she also yeah. recognizes that like, now's not the time that she's, that aside from being absolutely like blackout drunk like hannah's not in like the mental space to be punished for this right now um and so i think that like ashley does that really well she like knows and i i'm sure there's other examples that i'm not thinking of but like she knows when hannah's behavior is a reaction to something that is very valid and she doesn't excuse that behavior necessarily, but she kind of understands it in a way that I think is good and doesn't, you know, just discipline because she has to. And I mean, maybe to compare her to Pam, which we are doing, like, I think Pam tends to be more of the disciplinarian versus yes. like understanding the motive behind the behavior. And I think Ashley really does that. Really yeah, well. she's she's definitely the most in tune with her child's sort of internal uh environment I think and like what they're going through but then to go to like the the negative side of that I think doesn't have appropriate boundaries with Hannah 100% let's talk about some of those lows let's talk about those lows so first she Mm -hmm. steals money from the bank yeah and then tells her daughter about it it's one thing, I guess, to steal the money, but like her daughter, like she tells the truth to her daughter about yeah. this felony that she commits. Yes. But as we know, she it's makes only her daughter a- complicit in a felony. But it's only a felony if they find out. 
That's literally what she says to Hannah. Yes. Um, A plus parenting advice. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, and speaking but, of not implicating your child in your crimes, you also don't bring them to the spot where you hit a police officer with your car. Yeah. Uh, because not only, again, are you telling them about this, which who knows, like maybe this, maybe this police officer is going to die and then you've murdered a cop and like you've committed this crime. It's like, maybe you don't tell your child about that. But you also definitely don't bring them to the scene of the crime, thereby not just implicating them with knowledge, but physically implicating them in the crime because their, you know, footprints are there. Like there, who knows yeah. what evidence they leave, the child might leave behind at this crime that you've taken them to. Like yeah. the police literally could have been there investigating this crime. Yeah. And you brought your daughter there that's crazy crazy uh another thing you shouldn't bring your daughter to (laughs) is when you're staking out your husband to find out if he's cheating on you yeah husband this is something that yeah this is something that we learn that hannah says like oh i used to go and like try and catch my dad Mm -hmm. cheating with my mom or something like my mom used to take me when she was trying to catch my dad cheating that's dark that get a friend yeah and that's almost one like that's almost worse to me than the crimes because the crimes like that's like feels like such an elevated like heightened situation Mm -hmm. right and it's hard to kind of judge people's behavior in that kind of situation um I feel a lot more comfortable judging this behavior (laughs) and saying that's a bad parent move yeah that and I would definitely not do that yeah um so another oh yeah yeah, oh there's there's plenty Another uh, Ashley Lowe, I think, is not only sleeping with the cop so that Mm. your daughter doesn't, you know, get punished for shoplifting, which whatever, like, listen, it was like a pair of sunglasses or something. But so not only like, is she doing that, but she's like making sure that Hannah knows. Like, yeah. But also, so at one point, Emily, when Hannah kind of comes clean or like tells the group about this situation, mm-hmm. right, of her mom sleeping with Wilden to, you know, protect her from the consequences of her actions. And and Emily says something like, wow, like I, my mom probably would have t- driven me to the police station herself. And like, look, it's definitely argue, like arguable whether or not that would be a good parent move, mm-hmm. right, to like turn your kid in for stealing but it's certainly a better move than what Hannah's mom did. Like, yeah. I feel like, and again, yeah, I mean, we should talk, I think, a bit about uh, the fact that Hannah has an eating disorder and obviously a lot of, like, issues with her weight and self-image. And Ashley does kind of, knowing all of this, right, still kind of encourages or, like, participates in a very weird food culture in their house mm-hmm. like, or even like there are times when when Caleb is secretly living there right and Ashley like makes like some comments about kind of how much you know, food the amount that, of food yeah. or that like, honestly like Ashley's first concern right should be that Hannah is binging right mm-hmm. and that like she's relapsed with her bulimia but like instead she just kind of like makes these like comments that 
I like if that was what was happening if Hannah was binging and and purging mm-hmm. would make Hannah really self-conscious and really like feel a lot of shame I think and mm-hmm. y- yeah like as a parent like Ashley should have been a bit more sensitive to that so between and- Ashley and Pam who is the worst parent Ashley <laughs> obviously um it's- and I am now realizing Morgan not to spoil it but like a future round will be byron versus ashley and i love that anyways let's do the next pairing (laughs) okay so the next pairing oh interesting wow okay this episode is going to be six hours long yeah yeah so the next parenting or the next part the next pairing is interesting um because it means we have to eliminate one of these (gasps) and the next pairing is Jessica and Ken DeLaurent. Oh no. So one of them has to be eliminated round one. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's good that we have to talk about the DeLaurentis in one fell swoop because I think we could talk about them forever. Yeah. But I'm also like thinking ahead already now of like, we have to pick one of these at the end of this conversation. And I, I I don't know. I feel like with all the other ones, I kind of knew going into it who I would pick. I'm not sure. We got to talk this through. Yeah. So let's start with Jessica. Yeah. No highs. Okay. There are no highs, so we can just do lows. Yeah. I think for these. Wait, two. wait, I, wait. Let's 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 give a, let's give ourselves a second here. Okay. We'll I'll I'll edit the silence out. I guess let's give okay. ourselves a little time to think if there is a high. I have one. Oh, really? Yeah. What is it? She is supportive of Charlotte's transition. You're right. You're right. Kenneth Slow is her high. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Okay. I think maybe that maybe that solves it. But anyways, um, yeah. Well, that's the only we, high. Let's talk about her lows because she has yeah. some lows that Kenneth does not have. Very which true. Also, which include burying, burying her child alive. Yes. alive. Yeah. So yeah. So um, I mean, do we start with that? She did. She does bury yeah. Allison. Yeah, alive, un- unbeknownst think, to her. But I think got to be inarguably the worst parenting move <sighs> that we'll discuss. Yeah, in this but whole also bracket. she is protecting another one of her children. But yeah, still probably a bad parent move. Yeah. Again, especially because she clearly did not make sure that her child was actually dead before burying them no like i'm sure she kind of felt for a pulse or something i would hope but and that's it like that and look look kids this is why you don't bury people alive because they might or this this is why you don't just bury people because they might be alive so yeah kids and clearly allison wasn't so hurt that she needed medical attention even right yeah, like, like she, she just, was like, recovered on her own so yeah. like if jessica had instead of burying her gotten her medical treatment honestly i think cc's the consequences for cc would have been fairly minimal 100 percent. like i think that like yeah like cc probably wouldn't have had her in out privileges anymore but she lost those but anyway she- but I don't I don't think that Cece was facing legal consequences for right. her actions, right? Especially if, if they didn't press charges. Yeah. Is that I mean, how it, charges work? 
I don't know, I guess technically it's assault, like it's, it's assault. So maybe it's not up to the family, especially I think when it's like a child, like, I don't know, do the parents get to decide? No, it's okay that you tried to kill our child. Like, <laughs> I don't know about that. I think that the, I, but I think that ultimately the result would be like, well, she needs, you know, to be in Radley, right? Mm-hmm. Like she was already kind of determined, but like I just don't think that it would yeah. have been that that terrible for Cece mm-hmm. so like yeah I don't yeah. know definitely the de- look guys I think we're in agreement that it was the wrong choice to bury her <laughs> child alive it's a bold it's a bold choice all... but that is our agree- yeah. uh, that is our choice yeah. it was really brave of us to stand our ground on that yeah um yeah I think it was wrong yep uh, agreed so that's that's a real low what yeah. is what are her some other, other lows her other low is everything she's ever said to her children yeah she is truly the biggest bully of all she mm-hmm. is the original a like, she also, also is actively encourages actively encourages like her children to lie to her their father not quite yeah. as in the way that i think like byron is doing that to um aria but the whole like i think ali finds like a second yellow dress like two yellow dresses and look yeah and then like jessica says like no you only found one remember to tell your father that you only saw one yellow dress yeah the de Laurentiis's invented gaslighting they did they did i do we have any other lows for jessica or should we move on to their joint well Oh, there was one uh there was one that you pointed out to me oh the fact that jessica jessica makes we i think we talked about this in the hannah episode Haley, right. you brought this yeah. up that jessica says to hannah like about tip it referencing tippy the bird that like oh i don't think ally taught her hefty, hefty hannah. hannah yeah meaning jessica knew that ally was mm-hmm. calling her friend hefty hannah and and was just fine, fine with it. that yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. such mean girl behavior I think also this isn't a parenting thing but I do think that it needs to be said Jessica killed a baby yeah and then framed her twin yeah. sister for it That's I just, just don't think we can ignore move. that the bad human yeah move. but it is also a child I mean she was a child at the time too but it wasn't it was a child so I don't know I think maybe we can chalk it up to bad parenting a little bit okay. <laughs> she was babysitting um, <laughs> temp parenting yeah um so I think that that I mean like there's a million things right like yes everything that Jessica says to her children says to her children's friend everything that she allows her children to do and like the way in which she um you know sticks Charlotte in in an in an asylum in a mental institution yeah when like I mean we said like oh yeah like it's she she supported her transition and stuff but also she yeah. could have divorced Ken yeah right like she could have like we we I think we give she uh, supported we'll her transition Ken. barely yeah and like we talk you know we'll we'll talk about Ken and we we all t- we all you know hate Ken for his the way that he treated his trans daughter but she could have divorced ken like she's also responsible for letting ken yeah treat her that way anyway well and she's also responsible for 
putting her in an institution at a very young age for what we know was not a thing like was not something that required it right like yeah I guess we're supposed to believe that there were like other behaviors or whatever but like from what we know Charlotte put baby Allison in a hot bath yeah and like burnt Allison right but like we're seeing this like Charlotte is like a six or seven year old at this point like yeah and it's insane a very small child is a six or seven year old it's crazy and the fact that they did that like and the fact that jessica went along with it like kind of shows that even if ken was like his his big thing was he could tell that like charlotte was trans and like didn't like that um yeah jessica went along with that yeah and also like i like i I I believe that Charlotte was a essentially just like a normal child mm-hmm. up and like I I don't think that there were any behaviors I think that that was definitely Ken sort of allowing his own bias to color totally. his perception of absolutely normal child behaviors mm-hmm. and look I mean Charlotte was always going to turn out crazy because she was being raised by the De Laurentiis's. Yeah. But the institutionalizing her at the age of six uh, definitely made it worse. Totally. Um, yeah. Anyways, Let, now their so, joint, the the real, like, I mean, obviously that's one of their, like, Ken and Jessica, joint. they both bad parent move. Yeah. But let's also not forget that that also coincided with them gaslighting their son, Jason. Yeah into thinking that his brother was an imaginary friend yeah that's crazy that is just so insane i i don't even i don't have anything else to say except for like that's nuts yeah and also like because they were like they erased charlotte from Mm -hmm. from their family also made jason feel like he was because like all of jason's like pictures from his childhood basically yeah were like gone like he just thought there weren't any basically mm-hmm. because like you know really fucked up jason in that way yeah i mean again he never stood a chance but yeah um so ken no highs i mean even yes. the way in which sure he's there when Allie returns from her hey, disappearance. that's more than we can say for wayne fields and that's more than we can say for jessica but she was dead so yeah yeah well that's not <laughs> on her <laughs> although that one is on mary drake <laughs> yes although she was because she was trying to kill mary drake so yeah. it's a little yeah. bit on jessica still <laughs> um oh i mean i guess another thing that i think is questionable from jessica is the affair that's oh a, yeah that's, that's true that's a bad parent which affair move. Very true. Very true. True. I always forget about the one with Bethany Young's father, but and Jessica, presumably others. Um, for sure, not but confirmed, but guaranteed. The fact that Jessica had an affair and had a child because of that affair, and then moved next door. Yeah, that's crazy behavior. Also, okay. So, I also just because really quick. Uh-huh. want to talk about the fact that it seems like so everyone knows that jason is peter's son 
No. Nobody told Ken. Oh. No one ever tells Ken. What do you mean Ken knows? Does he? Yeah. Oh, I mean, he treats Jason like he knows, but I don't know that we ever have it confirmed that he knows. I'm pretty sure Ken knows. I'm, oh, I'm sure Ken knows. Knew. I'm sure but Ken I don't knew think before. told him. Because I don't think that they needed to tell him because I think that he knew. I think Ken has always suspected. And that's why he, again, bad parent move, treats Jason like shit. <laughs> yeah. But, but I don't think that he has ever had it confirmed for him. I, I don't and, know. I don't know. Because also, again, everybody knows. Veronica even ends up telling all the other moms at one point. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's just everyone mutually agrees that we don't we're not telling Ken shit. I just assume that Ken has had it confirmed. Just because we didn't know. see it. Like, I just assume. I just we never see not not only do we not see it confirmed though, we never see Ken say anything to But there definitely are some conversations that he knows. But there are conversations between Jason and Ken. Where I think that is very much implied. But it's not, almost like unspoken that they both know. Exactly. Like it's it's an unspoken thing. But again, I think that, and I think that Ken, like he I knows. Don't think we can, I don't think we can say though that it was never confirmed for him. Like, cause he knows. Yes, I we don't do not see he... it. We do not see it. And we never see it. Like we never, he never says it explicitly. But like, I think it's very obvious that he knows. And he he knows in a way that's not just like I have a hunch and yeah. like that is like what colors his whole relationship with Jason yeah. I uh, mean I guess it's more just like it's not even like nobody ever confirms to him nobody ever speaks of it in his presence and I know like he probably wouldn't want to like even like even like Jason right like Jason in their arguments and stuff so what you're saying is a, you you're wish not my that, real dad yeah that's what you're saying yeah got it you wish you yes. had that okay I'm not even saying I wish I had that. I just think it's funny that nobody <laughs> has ever said it out loud in front of Ken. That so we know technically, of. we just don't know that he knows. What are some other lows for Ken? That's the, the time when he, like, absolutely, like, yells, like, lays into Hannah because oh Hannah God, yeah. said, like, told Jessica that, that Allie was still alive. Yeah. And, like, this is a child yeah this is a child yeah that's definitely uh, again, a bad human so... move for sure yeah but again it was to a child right like and so mm-hmm. it may not have been to his child but I think that that it absolutely is still a bad parenting move totally. like that speaks to his parenting yeah um yeah Ken's there yeah. Ken's a flop um Ken, yeah Ken's a real flop um so okay Jessica versus Ken. Who is the worst parent? This is tough. This is tough. And I think like they're both terrible parents. And I think obviously, like, if we could probably break this down by child, right? Like mm-hmm. I think Jessica is the worst parent to Allison for sure. Mm-hmm. I think Ken is the worst parent to Charlotte and Jason. Mm-hmm. But I think as a whole, but I think, I think also I have like, to say Jessica's the I worst think parent. I do. Yeah, I think because, she does the most psychological damage. Yeah, and even when you consider like all of the things that Ken 
did to Charlotte when she was a kid, institutionalizing her, never visiting her. We didn't talk about that. Like, yeah, he never went and saw Charlotte. Um, that's pretty fucked up. But like, Jessica was also complicit in that. Like, sure, Jessica would buy her ugly yellow clothes and mm-hmm. like take her out to like ride horses sometimes. But she also that was Bethany. I mean, she, I just um, assumed, I assume Charlotte was there too. I just assumed oh, that, but maybe not. I didn't. Um. But anyways, whatever, like, you know, she, sure, she didn't fully cut Charlotte out of her life, but she did go along with institutionalizing her for seemingly nothing. Yeah. So I think I agree. So she's not blameless in that either. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. She's not like, it's not like there was nothing she could do and just Ken institutionalized Charlotte all by herself, all by herself and um, didn't you know you know and jessica just had nothing to do with that like jessica was very much an active and willing partner in that yeah it had to have been um yeah okay so Next yeah, pairing. i think i think jessica is the worst there um the next pairing um veronica and peter hastings oh god so we're these getting are another tough. married pair these are tough yeah, Wait, okay. I just also put together what that means for the last pairing, and that's going to be weird. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. Veronica and Peter. Should we start with Veronica? Yeah. Highs. Highs and high low. Okay. For Veronica, I feel like, I feel like a high for her. I don't know. It's hard. I can't, I don't know if I could think of like a specific one. She definitely has times where like, I, th- I think that she's definitely the most emotionally available yeah. between her and Peter, right? Like, to the children. Like, she, yeah. she's, you know, more in tune with their their emotional state, I think. Yeah. And I and think I she think- gets a lot better as the time goes on. Like, her yeah. relationship, I think, the way in which I think everything that happens to Spencer, I think hurts her relationship with peter i think it has the opposite effect on her relationship with veronica um yeah rough rough seasons in the beginning but by the end and i think especially in the five years forward i love the relationship between spencer and veronica like there is such an admiration there and like that goes both ways and i love that i love the there's a you know veronica says something to the effect of to Spencer like I am doing this I'm running for state senate because like of you because you know Spencer kind of inspired her to do something and uh you know get involved so to speak and like I don't know there's I think there's like a really like lovely evolution of their relationship especially once like that we're five years forward um yeah but even before then I think like Veronica was always there to like support and obviously help Spencer through various legal woes but also like laid that support for her friends like um and I and obviously like I think there's a a comment at some point where you know the girls the girls say like oh yeah but like Veronica's gonna I don't know who it is somebody says like oh like Veronica would still prioritize Spencer's safety and like whatever over the other girls and it's like yeah obviously but I think like generally like her motives are pretty good when it comes to protecting these Mm -hmm. girls from an abusive police force 
Yeah, absolutely. And I believe you're thinking of uh, the fake fight between Emily and Spencer. Yeah, you're right. So it's technically it's Emily, you know, saying something designed to start a fight. Yeah. But it, there's, a, there's a grain of truth to it, of course, right? Totally. Which I think is why those like fake fights that they made, that they did played so well is that they really kept those like kernels of truth to them. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, this is of course uh, season, mid-season two. Um, yeah, no, I think Veronica definitely like, protects them from the police force a lot and also like is I think the best at like emotionally supporting her daughters Mm -hmm. for sure so I think like her I I don't know I feel like Veronica it doesn't necessarily I don't know that I have like a lot of like singular moments for her Mm -hmm. but there's like a lot of like consistency which I think is kind of what you want right like that's Mm -hmm. what you want from a parent is that they're pretty consistently good yeah and she's consistently there and she's you know consistently like looking out for her her first Spencer and and Melissa in a way that it doesn't it's not the same as the way Peter does it like I mean that being said of course she has her lows yes Uh, I think in the early seasons like Veronica like you said I think it's a lot better as the show goes on the early seasons she definitely favors Melissa right like Mm -hmm. even like the whole Ren thing really like drop the ball with that right like she really does blame Spencer but every all the whole family does but I think you see more interactions between her and her between Veronica and Spencer about it and like no no acknowledgement right that this was that their daughter is a child and this was a grown man yeah and what does she say she says something Melissa and and I'm not saying this should be the case but like the way that I feel like this would play out in actuality right is that blame would be put on Melissa for bringing this man into their house who then took advantage of their child Mm -hmm. yeah well and she says something to to Spencer to the effect of like and you're not you know you're not not a reason that your sister's been having a hard time recently or something like like you've had a lot to do with the hard year that your sister's had or something and like that is such a thing to put on your child like that's crazy yeah and that's like that's yeah that's a low yeah that's a low and I think also like this like favoritism I think that Veronica does seem to have towards Melissa in the beginning obviously again from like the writing perspective the writers didn't know this but it's so interesting now like Mm -hmm. being able to look at that and be like she's favoring her biological daughter which makes that even worse a little bit you know Mm -hmm. Um, and I wonder how much of like the growth that we see from her in the later seasons how much of that is because maybe the writers had an inkling at that point that they were going to make it this way mm-hmm. and they're like well yeah. we want to make it so it's not we want to make sure that it's clear that like veronica loves spencer you know yeah well i mean we know by end of season four i think mm-hmm. i think that they knew right you because say we know point, but <laughs> we know right? we, we know. think we I, I think that the writers knew because I think that they when they created the character of Mary Drake I yeah. think I think that they knew that they were going to make Mary Drake Spencer's mother yeah I agree um, um okay would be wrong about that though but yeah probably not though probably. uh <laughs> denying your daughter her anti-anxiety meds we talked about this a lot in the Spencer episode mm-hmm. so we don't need to spend I think that much time on that but like not a great move yeah don't deny your kid mental health meds um, yeah 
and I also think that there is a there is a element of I mean this is can be said for both Veronica and Peter of like they do have a certain amount of shame when it comes to Spencer being in Radley Spencer uh have struggling with uh a drug addiction like there is a certain level of shame that I think is evident there that Spencer obviously picks up on and that's not great because like that obviously makes her mental health healing and her you know sober journey I think more difficult for her because there is that that shame that she feels shame and disappointment Mm -hmm. and and again I think that Veronica and Peter definitely encourage this this sense of like competition between Spencer and Melissa and so then when Spencer fails it also it also I think it it yes it makes her feel inferior to Melissa but then in that way it it damages her relationship with Melissa right every time she fails I think it hurts her relationship with Melissa Mm -hmm. because she can't because of that sense of competition right is it makes her hate Melissa when she herself goes through some like fails in some way Mm -hmm. right yeah um yeah and that's on that's on both of them yeah another thing that's on both of them if I mean I know we have to get to Peter's highs Mm -hmm. as well but yeah is when their daughter breaks down telling them that she doesn't feel safe in her own home because she's afraid of her sister's new husband and they're just like you need help you're delusional mm-hmm. yeah That's crazy it I is I can't imagine my daughter like being that like that afraid of a man and then siding with that man no matter who he is it's like crazy and not, and, like even if you think like there's maybe something else going on like that and that you think like the guy might be okay or whatever like you've got your first like Spencer breaks down in tears yeah like their first instinct should be to believe their daughter and it's not and that that's a bad parenting move totally um what are peter's highs let's talk about some of his highs then we can go back to his lows i mean i think that peter would do anything to protect his family i think part of that though is more i think maybe there's some corrupt motives there because i think it's not fully you know it's not fully for them it's also for himself um but he will destroy evidence he will um tell you to have nothing to do with the de Laurentiis family which is which is a form of protection I believe and um yeah he'll he he tries to protect his family yeah definitely and I think like there's there's a lot of genuine affection from Peter for his daughters yeah and I think he does really have a lot of pride for his daughters like I yeah. think he really and I mean part of that is you know the a problem because I think it puts a lot of pressure on them but like he is really proud of them he loves to show them off he loves to take Spencer to play tennis with his work buddy or whatever um, yeah and yeah. yeah I think like he does probably more so maybe uh except for Wayne I think more than any of the other dads in the show, I think feel pride for his daughters and feel and want what's best for them. Like 
and respects them. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the respect, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, I think it's a, enjoying their daughters, like enjoying spending time with them and like respecting them and appreciating mm-hmm. them as like people and find, you know, they're in, that they're interesting and smart and all of that. And Byron, as much as like, you know, he likes Arya's, that Arya's the little intellectual him or whatever. I don't think he respects Arya's intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's it's he he likes that he gets to be the teacher, right? Mm-hmm. And be looked up to. And then, you know, uh, but yeah, like of all the fathers, I think Peter has that maybe the most. And also I and Wayne as well. I don't know which one I would say has it most, but and then obviously think, there's Tom Marin. We'll get to him. I think but. that Peter respects his daughters in a way that's different than the way that Wayne respects Emily. Because I yeah. think like Wayne respects emily i think in a very but she's still my subordinate kind of yeah, way still still very paternalistic and, and like yeah and i'm not saying that and i think that peter strikes a good balance between kind of that more inferiority superiority thing he strikes a better balance than byron who i think is byron and ella who are too far on the end of like our children are our friends and there are equals and then i yeah. think that like Pam and Wayne tend to be on a little bit further on the other end of that spectrum of being like our children are our property and I think that like Peter and Veronica to their credit I think strike a better balance of like being in the middle of like they are our children but they're also not our property oh also one other thing as a little credit I want to give both Peter and Veronica is Spencer right the fact that they Mm -hmm. take they keep Spencer Mm -hmm. right like from Veronica's perspective this is not her child this is the result of her husband's affair and you know she she just like takes this daughter in as her own and raises her as her own and loves her and all of that and Peter you know yes it's his kid but like you know there's so many dads in that situation that would absolutely abandon that child yeah uh affairs so many so affairs many. i mean one affair i guess but just but yeah. the, the ramifications of that affair are wide reaching <laughs> yeah uh you know and i should can- say i should say i don't like i think that maybe this is an unpopular opinion but like i don't think that cheating is like there's a there seems to be a lot of um discourse that like cheating is just the worst thing you could do to someone and it is very bad but like <laughs> there's but a lot worse things. there's worse things that you could do and like the act of like peter's affairs are not necessarily like the worst thing that he could do or that someone could do but like the way in which it impacts his children i think is what makes it like a bad parenting move yeah similarly <laughs> i i think like yeah. having an affair when you have children i think is a worse move yes. than having an affair when you don't have children because that yeah. obviously impacts a child's life greatly like yeah and like their development and and yeah you're you're doing a certain amount of damage to your children as well mm-hmm. and yeah like that's the, yeah obviously cheating is bad but it's also it's it's also very common and it's very common for a reason right mm-hmm. like but, yeah. are we coming off as pro cheating we're really pro cheating because we love cheating um 
no we are not pro cheating but against it but we also we're pro we're pro people and that people can grow and change and that people make mistakes yeah so I think like Peter and again we keep saying affairs but and it's just the one I thought of it but it is actually just the one it is singular yeah uh and and also the affair with Jessica happened before he and Veronica were married yeah at least the obviously him sleeping with Mary Drake is then a continue you know I guess you although I know we were gonna relapse. do an episode about this Melissa yeah, and Jason gonna... are pretty close in age so maybe yeah. they were married because like the way that they talk about it and there is yeah. one scene where they talk about like I think he was somewhere he was in Harrisburg and like Veronica was in Philly or vice versa or something like they were separated yeah. for a time and like that's yeah. when he and Jessica got together but like also like and when Jason was conceived but Jason and Melissa are pretty close in age so like maybe it's just like they had this this affair and then early days for sure yeah in their marriage yeah yeah and then yeah and then there was the Mary Drake thing that you know happened then I guess you know several years later but uh, so then there's also another low point for Peter Hastings is attempting to uh murder mary drake who is his daughter's biological mother right which is like yeah like obviously he says he's doing it to protect the family but i do think that one is one that's definitely out of a desire to protect himself uh and you know the chances that your daughter at some point is going to find out that pretty high her mother is not her biological mother is pretty high maybe it's not for 20 30 years but it's pretty high and think like the emotional like like the grief right Mm -hmm. to find out that you have this biological mother that you never knew existed and that she is dead Mm -hmm. right because that if peter if peter and jessica had been successful that's the experience that spencer would have had in Mm -hmm. the five years forward right like is finding out that she has this biological mother that she will never get to know that she'll never get to know why she did what she did why she gave her up why xyz like all these questions that spencer would never get answers to mm-hmm. and that's that's a very selfish choice on peter's part i think actually to me i think that's his lowest i agree point i agree and then i think close to it though is also him avoiding jason yeah pretty yeah. substantially like yeah. he wants nothing to do with him and I think there is like there comes a time where it's like more he's he wants his he wants Spencer Melissa and Veronica to have nothing to do with Jason he's like willing to be a little bit more involved but yeah but um, I think when it's still a secret he very much doesn't want anything to do with him because he doesn't want his daughters to find out right it just like from Jason's perspective right like growing up with Ken as his father who really despises him and treated him like shit and you know rejected him constantly mm-hmm. and to then find out that that's not actually your father you have this other father and he also rejects you that's rough yeah that's rough for jason i was just gonna say it's also interesting again to, to the question of like when did the writers decide that like spencer wasn't was mary drake's daughter right there's there's a moment when with I'm sorry to bring up Toby's mother, but oh when to during the Toby's mom plot line, right when Peter gets involved with 
the Radley of it all and and maybe like he wants to maybe shut down Radley and then it turns out that like you know he kind of doesn't and gets Toby to sign that non-disclosure agreements like settlement stuff anyways but Peter at some point during all of that says to Spencer that like if you keep like digging into like the like talking to the De Laurentiis and digging into all this like you'll be the one to ruin this family not me and I think that he, I think that he is referring there to yeah. her, Spencer finding out about mm-hmm. her mother, her her biological mother. Yeah, totally. Anyways, um, yeah, uh, one high. I thought of another high okay. when you mentioned again. Sorry to mention Toby's mother again, oh, but guys, we're really sorry. I do think it is kind of a high in the way that he. tries to help Toby with this a bit like obviously it's not super it's not a great move but I think it is kind of you know respectable the way that he is trying to help Spencer's boyfriend kind of get this closure um I think that's kind of nice but then also when it then conflicts with his own yeah well it's all like most things in this show when it comes to parenting every high is paired with a deep low yeah (laughs) Okay, so between Peter and Veronica, we've got to get moving. I know. Oh my gosh. We're so sorry to anybody who is still listening. Yeah, I hopefully I've I'm able to edit this down and you guys are not currently in two hours of round one of this bracket. Um, Okay. The other rounds will go faster, obviously. But (laughs) so between oh my god, we have another pairing. Okay. Between Veronica and Peter, I think Peter is the worst parent. Yeah. Okay, sure. cool. Okay. Uh, so Haley, have you done the math and figured out what our unhinged final I have. Is? I have, and it is none other than Ella Montgomery and Tom Merritt. <laughs> that is the most random pairing. <laughs> like some of these were so like, you know, the De Laurentiis is together, the Hastings together, sets of two dads, you know, of, two moms. Two moms. Yeah. It's like really like made sense almost in this randomized, and then it left this. us with these two. <laughs> crazy okay let's oh, start with God, ella i have so much to say about Tom. i know yeah let's, let's start, start with, with ella. ella ella's highs being stung by bees <laughs> yes um i do think that ella is a very warm presence for her children i i think she yeah. does try to comfort them and listen to them i do think they they feel heard by her generally um, and I think that that's, I think that that's admirable. I think sometimes it leads yeah. to her kind of uh, allowing her daughter to date her teacher, but mm-hmm. like, I think it does overall, I think she does, she is a good listener for her children. Yeah. And I also think that, um, you know, when, when Byron's affair comes out, Ella, I think, does a good job of managing her feelings around the fact that her daughter has been lying to her about this for two years. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, because you, and and it's very interesting, because you could tell, like, it's not that there are no hard feelings there, Mm -hmm. right? But, but again, I think this is one of those rare moments where she does understand that this, that her child is a child, Mm -hmm. and is able to manage her, her feelings about that and 
not make Arya feel like this is her fault. Yeah. And she she puts the blame very much squarely where it belongs, which is on Byron's shoulders for mm-hmm. both having the affair and making his daughter lie about it. Um, and that and that that also is, you know, the the moment when when Byron and Ella are having the, this like argument, that is the thing that Ella is the most upset about, that you would have our daughter lie about this and like yeah. keep this secret. Like that's what really she's really upset about. And I think that that should be what she's most upset about. Obviously Mm -hmm. she has every right to be upset about the affair, but like, and again, guys, we hate cheating. Okay. But (laughs) do not condone (laughs) cheating. But I think that that she's got her priorities right in that, that, Mm -hmm. that she's most upset about what he did to their daughter by making her lie about it. Yeah. Because I think that that shows that she is like, has a good sense of what the impact of like an affair on a child is versus mm-hmm. like the impact of an affair on adult on an adult right yeah. like well and just that she also is prioritizing her children above herself totally and her own like feelings of betrayal like yeah she's she recognizes that that is yeah. you know something that aria will hopefully one day work through in therapy Oh my God, speaking, I'm sorry, we forgot a really massive low for Byron, which is forcing Ella to move out of the house. Oh my God, Byron. Because Ella, understandably, does not want to be living with him. Uh-huh, and, and he just refuses to leave. That's so shitty. and makes Ella leave and make her the bad guy after yeah. he had an affair and made his daughter lie about it. Yeah. God, and I'm we literally really see that. Choosing Byron and... as the worst parent in that pairing. Yeah, for sure. Um, but like we really see that that he makes Ella the bad guy in the way in which Arya and Mike react to her leaving like oh, Arya yeah. and Mike definitely hold it against her that she left in a way yeah. that is understandable because they're children yeah. but Byron made that happen because mm-hmm. again it makes total sense that Ella wouldn't want to live with Byron yeah like he engineered that yeah, and he made it so she had no choice but to leave her children or live with the man who she couldn't trust, who had betrayed her deeply and who, you know, forced their child to keep the secret. And like that, we see Arya and and Mike actually hold that against her. Um, mm-hmm. And he made yeah. that happen. Anyways, yeah, okay. It damages her relationship with them. Definitely um, with Mike. I don't think Mike yeah. ever forgives her for that. No. Anyways, no. Um, her lows. Yeah. So yeah, leaving your kids to go with your boyfriend to live in a pastry castle in Austria. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Like again, obviously, yes. Arya kind of like pushes her to do that, but you just don't, right? She and, and the thing is, is it's like she definitely does sort of indicate right not intentionally but like she does indicate to Arya that she wishes she could go yeah and like I get that but you also you gotta keep that under control Mm -hmm. and then of course she does go which which really indicates to her children that she wanted to go (laughs) yeah yeah well and I think like we kind of see and it's it's kind of hypocritical of Arya to be so upset about it but like after everything blows up with Ezra Ella's back and is like engaged to Zach and Arya is obviously like quite upset about this 
not the engagement, but so much like, and it's obviously has very little to do with actually Ella, but like, it's such a good example of like why Ella shouldn't have gone. So, okay. Leaving pastry castle. She, again, like in her attempt to like, listen to her children is ends up kind of, um, condoning. Yeah. Kind of condoning and allowing Aria to continue dating Ezra. Um, and kind of, I think gives Aria hope that her parents will come around on this yeah and turns out they do but (laughs) (laughs) yeah they Um, really end up loving Ezra to welcome him into the family (sighs) also I want to say from the writing perspective um choosing to have Arya and Ezra tell her parents about their relationship at the moment that they did was so smart because it actually does make sense for parents deciding not to go to the cops yeah right because yeah. under any other circumstances, you'd be like, they're the worst parents in the world for not going to the police about this. And you could make the argument, right, still that they should have. But I, I actually don't know if they should have, right? Because at this point, the police actively think that Arya murdered Allison. Yeah, this and, is on the, the heels. This is on the heels of them being discovered with like the murder weapon. Yes. Of and the like, shovel. Veronica, you know, gets them off with tampering with evidence but they're at the police at this point are actively trying to pin allison's murder on these girls and so it makes sense that they're like yeah i don't think we want to go to the police with any information about aria right now who knows yeah. like what could help them build a case against her yeah it was really and, well done timing from yeah the writers really well done timing so she also like when it comes to go back to like the whole ezra of it all she was weirdly i think like this kind of is indicative of the blinders that I think Ella wears a lot of the times mm-hmm. is she was so quick to assume that Spencer was dating Ezra. Like yeah. she sees Ezra. Uh, um, so after the college fair, Spencer gets into Ezra's car to warn Ezra about Jason. Cause they're, they think Jason is a killer. Ari has been yeah. getting close with them. They kiss like anyways. And so Ella sees this conversation happening in Ezra's car. Um, and then, like, just assumes that, like, they're dating. And... Yeah, well, because she'd heard rumors, right? right. There were rumors, rumors and all that. But, like, there have been so many indicators that your daughter is dating this, her former teacher. Well, I also... Here's the thing. the If there were rumors going around that Ezra was dating this student... I have to believe that the rumor, at least some of the rumors were like, it's Aria. It's obviously (laughs) Aria. Because there's so many. (laughs) Yeah. And and I think though, like this really like, Ella just like is delusional. Right. The way that at that um, dance marathon, when Aria's old babysitter, Simone is there and like Aria is very jealous of Simone and Ezra like being friendly and Ella picks up on this jealousy but Mm -hmm. she doesn't think the jealousy is that she has that her daughter has a crush on Ezra which I mean is a fairly normal thing for a a student to have like a little crush on their teacher like that's not like that abnormal but she assumes that Aria is jealous that like Ezra's getting to spend more time with Simone than she is and like it's like yeah. how delusional can you be like obviously Arya she is fine she, she's okay with the fact that like she's not spending every waking moment with Simone like she's obviously jealous that Simone is that's her name right that Simone is yeah potentially a 
dating Ezra or could start dating Ezra. Like that's the obvious thing. But Ella's just like, wow, she just loves Simone. She really is jealous. Meanwhile, we never hear of Simone again. Yeah. Oh, now also with Byron though, there's that moment when Mike says to Byron and Arya, like, oh yeah, Noel Khan was telling me that apparently that teacher that you love so much he's dating a student and Noel, Noel Khan's going to like tell the principal tomorrow or something. And Aria and, and, and Byron's like, Aria, have you heard anything about this? And Aria is like, I've really messed up. Yeah. <laughs> Long pause. I told Spencer I'd study at her <laughs> Byron never oh, puts that together. No, no. They're just, they're, and again, they just like really see what they want to see. Yeah. Let's, let's move on to okay. the one, the only Tom Marin. Tom Marin. Go to the earth. <laughs> yeah. God. Tom. Okay. Tom I, fucking hates his child. <laughs> he hates Hannah so much. It's actually so upsetting. Oh yeah, Tom Marin. Okay, where do we start? Well, wait, wait. Any highs for Tom Marin? No, I no. honestly don't know that. I, I have don't. Any. I don't think that we there are. With- like, even if you were to say, like, oh, well, he shows up when his daughter is in trouble. It's like, no, he shows up when his daughter is in trouble, not because when he likes to be not mean when, to her. Yeah, it's not when like his daughter needs help with anything. It's when she is in trouble. Yeah yeah and you know it's not a metaphorical in trouble it's a literal she's in trouble okay the closest that I have to a high point for Tom Marin is when Hannah's been caught with the gun that killed Will and so Uh she's kind of under house arrest with her parents at home she goes up for a walk and she comes back in and he's mad at her right he's like where have you been like you're not you know you're not supposed to be Uh leaving the house and she was she kind of talks about like oh she was on this walk and she you know all of this anyways and it, it, it's they're, they're kind of it's this emotional conversation where tom is like why didn't you tell me like if you were like why didn't you come to me if you were in trouble if you needed help and she's like honestly the way that caleb described it it didn't seem like you wanted me to which is accurate yes and but you can see for a moment tom Marin feels some shame about that and mm-hmm. he feels bad and that's my high point Tom Marin Tom Marin one time admit. felt a little bad for something we think based on his <laughs> facial expressions because he didn't verbally say this we think that he felt bad for being a bad dad for a second yeah that's yeah. my high point for Tom Marin yeah that's about um, right um yeah. so yeah so he obviously does not like Hannah he he yeah. really like but he loves Ashley and so like our kind of like running gag is that he actually divorces Ashley because he just can't stand Hannah yeah. um because he seems to really like yeah like Ashley. him and, and he, honestly like him and Ashley seem to have like a really like good rapport like yeah the way like their co-parenting is I mean actually I don't think you can call it co-parenting but yeah. the way they're Caleb's more of the co-parent that's right the way their relationship is outside of parenting like is pretty like good like they seem like they're friendly they seem like they have like some residual love for one another Mm -hmm. some love and respect for one another but like but yet Tom is 
living in Baltimore and I think maybe we've talked about this before but like Hannah says this one thing um when he comes back after she crashes Sean's car but anyways and she's like getting dressed and she's like trying to figure out what to wear and she's like he hasn't seen me since I lost the weight and this has been well over a year at this point so like she he lives in Baltimore from like Philadelphia Baltimore is like maybe a two-hour drive like it's so close and the fact that Hannah's not like going to his house on weekends or he's never coming to Rosewood to visit like is insane like it's really insane and he hasn't seen her in a year in over a year yeah 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 I don't know for sure if it's been like a year but it's been too long for sure so yeah, we don't know the exact timeline of Hannah's quote unquote transformation. And by transformation, we mean she lost five, five to pounds. pounds. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so let's let's just kind of run through his lowest hits. Yeah. Uh I mean, in no particular order here. Paying for your new stepkids college at the expense of your uh biological daughter who you've known her whole life. Uh yeah that's pretty shitty like him him paying for kate's college and being like "Mm, i told you i i agreed with your mother that i'd pay ten thousand dollars and i'm not paying a cent more because then i would not be able to give kate as much and kate worked really hard to get into those schools and and again we talked about this in the hannah episode but like you know he's never talked to her about college since she's like since she was like 12 years old they've never spoken about college that's insane Mm-hmm. um also at one point ashley makes reference to having that she had to buy tom out of the house so that was what i was trying to look up actually because i was like yeah. i don't know if that's how it typically works in divorces or not like i think it's possible that that is like if like mm-hmm. that if they but decide 50 percent of the house right so it's yeah. possible that that might have been the only way that but like also I think in a kinder way could have not made her do that. Yeah. When he clearly Um, didn't need the money. I think that that is an option. Like, I'm not saying that like you, he had to make her do that. Like, I think he could have not had her do that. Um, But then also like, like, it seems like he's like not paying enough child support. Like it really doesn't seem that way. Like if they're struggling like this and he's as rich as he seems to be, he is not paying enough child support. They were struggling to the point where before uh Ashley s- steals the money from the bank they're struggling to the point where she was going to lose the house like it's yeah. not like you know she had a lot of credit card debt or they couldn't quite meet like like she was not paying her mortgage and again yeah. for how long because I don't I think the he's he'd only been out of that house for like maybe a year like at most right so like yeah. this is still very soon off like soon after that divorce well, is final and so I'm, for her for them to like be that close to losing your house that quickly is so confusing to me yeah well like I'm not an expert in family law but I, I am, am <laughs> but I'm pretty sure like it, it's a pretty common thing right if you are the primary caregiver for the children like even if even if your your ex gets the house in the divorce that it's pretty common that like you get to live in the house until mm-hmm. the children are 18 
So yeah. I did some research actually, and okay. I found our answers. So right. after divorce, you have a few options for what to do with the house. So you can buy your, so, cause what it is, is you're buying out your spouse. And again, I'm not a family law expert. That was a joke, but basically you would have to, you would have, you have equity in the home. So whatever the equity is, you would have to buy out your ex-spouse's part of that equity. And you can do that in cash. Alternatively, you can refinance the house and the mortgage to buy out their portion of the home. So it sounds like Ashley went the route of buying out the his equity in cash versus refinancing the mortgage and buying it out in that way. So that does kind of check out then that she would be struggling so much is if she had to put down a ton of cash in order to buy him out. Now, yeah. the fact that it sounds mostly though, like Tom had a really good lawyer in the divorce and just hosed Ashley. Ashley was taking lawyer advice from like, she actually chose her divorce lawyer based on where her daughter's friend's sister was doing a summer internship. Yeah, because because Ashley's law firm is the law firm that Melissa was interning at the summer that Allie disappeared. Yeah. It's a long so, story if you don't remember. There's a whole trail of clues, but yeah. yeah. It's probably a whole season worth that led us to that Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so it sounds like, I think like, it sounds like she bought out Tom's equity in the house and that probably made it so that she just didn't have a lot of extra cash and then add on top of that I think that he probably wasn't paying a fair share of child support and alimony yeah well because yeah like at no point is there any reference to child support Ashley says like we're a one paycheck household yeah which I think really implies honestly he's paying nothing yeah 50 bucks a month he's gotta be paying something but like I don't know how he got his child support set so low Mm -hmm. if he has ten thousand dollars to give to hannah hannah's schooling plus covering so much of kate's tuition like Mm -hmm. he has money yeah yeah and it doesn't make sense they shouldn't and even putting aside his legal obligations right Mm -hmm. he should be concerned with making sure that his daughter is well taken care of financially Mm -hmm. and he clearly does not care he's like that's Ashley's job yeah like he should 20 dollars a month in child support yeah like and like you were saying like I don't know maybe the whole thing is like there there is something about like maintaining the home until the child is 18 but like yeah yeah he really has seems to have no care in the world that Ashley and Hannah like are okay financially it sounds like they went from living a very upper middle class lifestyle where they're buying designer clothes and they're you know eating out and like all that stuff mm-hmm. uh it sounds like they were they went from that to having like to being like lower middle class yeah with a home that was way too much for Ashley to pay for on her own and mm-hmm. rather than you know find some way to support he just cut them loose it's it's crazy yeah. Um, any is, child, any family or family law professionals? Yeah, please give us the legal expertise in to know ex- how terrible Tom Marin is. Yes, thank you. Um, okay, 
So then after that, he moves back to town as a punishment, basically, after Hannah, like, ruins his wedding. Yeah. He, Um, yeah, he's like, we're going to move back and, you know, and it's, it's very clearly to punish. Yeah. He uh, says it's like, well, like, clearly we have a lot of work on in this family, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, yeah, we've always had a lot to work on, Tom. You just weren't here. Didn't give a shit until you were mad. And until you had something to like make her miserable with, right? To shove it in yeah. her face. Like, cause you know that her and Kate don't get along. You know, she yeah. doesn't like Isabel. Like you're just moving back to torture her. And then yeah. as soon as, as soon as Kate tries to get, after Kate tries to get Hannah expelled from school for distributing child pornography. Yeah. Like after that, he just leaves. He's yeah. like, oops, okay, fine, we're out. Yeah. Like, well, because he doesn't like to be on the end of any sort of chastising or like yeah. he needs to he needs to like occupy at least in his mind the like paternalistic moral high ground, and that's right. difficult to do when the stepdaughter that you clearly favor has just distributed child pornography of herself in order to frame your daughter. Yeah. Well, and also where was Tom when they were having that meeting with the principal about this? Yeah. Like Tom, we have Isabel and Ashley there Tom should with be their here. children and Tom is nowhere to be found. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Um, we talked about how he lives really not far also, away at all. Oh, okay, I just want to talk, sorry. I want to talk about the fact that he moves back to Rosewood, right? pretty easily implying that there was no real reason he needed to be in Baltimore <laughs> well and also like why Except did they get be married? away from his family why did they get married in Rosewood they love that murder church fair enough they love the history I, I too would love to get married there um uh, yeah that's my dream <laughs> get um, married on that set piece <laughs> I'm not even kidding would you love no, to do that either um yeah anybody that works at warner brothers that is uh <laughs> yeah we're not planning any wedding we're not neither of us is planning a wedding right now but <laughs> it'll be good honestly, to have that contact yeah honestly if i got that contact and i got a wedding date i'd figure it out yeah you'd find someone <laughs> to marry <laughs> yep um okay so we talked a little bit about how he doesn't live that far away but only like never sees her except for when she's like literally in trouble um anything else tom tom i mean it's just he's his absence is just shocking he also is not around after the dollhouse we don't even hear a mention of him right like we don't even get a passing like ashley saying like oh i spoke to your father like he want you you should call him like nothing like that like yeah he's such a bad father that the writers knew the audience wasn't going to question why he wasn't there yeah it's crazy also yeah like so wayne fields is like i would say wayne and tom are god these names are terrible wayne (laughs) and tom are the most absent fathers yeah and uh, Wayne is absent because he's an army. Tom is absent because he lives in Baltimore. <laughs> and again, I'm gonna look it up. Baltimore to Philly. What's that drive? That drive is two hours and six minutes. That's to Philly. So, like, presuming they're like outside of like Philly, maybe it could be like two and a half hours. Yeah, but wow oh, growing up our dad commuted like two hours into dc for yeah. work when we were kids yeah 
that was mostly traffic we really only lived 30 minutes away yeah we didn't 30 miles away but (laughs) but but like tom Marin's not even doing that to go see his kid Uh -uh. ever listen it is he would have to take the i-95 all the way there though and that is pretty tough (laughs) yeah (laughs) in in defense excuse tom Marin's the best father um so Haley, uh out of ella and tom who's the worst parent oh ella for sure (laughs) yeah hands down no it's obviously tom tom Tom, is awful he sucks um we hate tom Marin. we love hannah and we love ashley remember that but we hate tom yes we hate tom um Uh, okay round two yeah speed round yes Uh, so first pairing byron and ashley so this is fun because we do have those like brief moments in like season one where they like talk to one another yes because we gotta Um, get that psycho reference yes to for so basically there's this whole thing where byron and ashley are like kind of flirting and it's like oh are they a date and like you know byron's over there to use the fax machine and the power goes out and all that and then all of that is to set up when a psycho reference when Ashley steals the money from the bank and has it in her purse on the passenger seat of her car and Byron like knocks on the window to like you know be like oh can I get a ride like which is a psycho reference right like this is kind of a recreation of a scene from psycho Mm -hmm. so really this whole flirtation like potential romance that we set up between these two characters was just so that like a couple episodes later we could make a psycho reference I really respect that from the writers dedication um Um, yeah yeah so um, between the two of them who is the worst parent I think it's gotta be Byron for me but but also maybe Ashley I don't this is actually a tough one it's really hard because Ashley repeatedly Ashley repeatedly implicates Hannah in her Mm -hmm. felonies yeah so here's the thing right it's like if you ask me the question who who is the better parent I feel like I would say Ashley but also if you ask me the question who does the most damage to their child I might also also say Ashley Ashley. yeah maybe oh it's really hard but then I mean I guess Byron is responsible for her daddy issues which results in her marrying her English teacher that is dark but that is a rough one for him no crimes were committed by Byron that he then implicates he doesn't really teach aria how to commit crimes in the same way that ashley yeah yeah i'm gonna go with ashley i yeah i gotta go with ashley uh i know there are no comments but if there were i would say sound off in the comments on that one yeah i have a feeling we're gonna be in the minority on that opinion i think probably because again people love ashley and people love hannah as do we as do we (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> are we hitting that bit too hard probably <laughs> anyways but next pairing to make sure that people understand that <laughs> next Jessica pairing. and peter Ooh, that's an itch i didn't even think about oh I this forgot is easy that they... for me yeah jessica jessica <laughs> jessica's the worst parent here yes. that's a tough one yeah next the next is uh, wait one second Oh shoot! We have it's an odd number. 
what are we so no, it's just tom not, why oh it's because we have five pairings yeah well we'll save tom for later we'll save tom for yeah next round. i mean i think tom can get an automatic pass the next round yes you're going straight to hollywood tom <laughs> yeah never has this been more deserved um, I guess we now have to we now have to admit to our audience that I guess we don't really understand how brackets work. I don't think anybody's and, super surprised by that. <laughs> so we should have had an even even number of pairings. So anyway, you know, I think it seems fair to leave Tom out on his own, and yeah. he gets a pass to the final round. Yeah. So the next pairing is Ashley and Jessica. This is another Jessica's, easy one. Jessica's, Jessica's worse, obviously. Yeah. And the final pairing and then between tom and nobody it is of course tom yes and the final pairing it's Jessica actually DeLorentis. appropriate it's appropriate that his um he doesn't have there's an absence of another person for him because he is so absent yes we did that on it's, purpose yeah anyways we actually really understand how brackets work <laughs> and this wasn't a mistake <laughs> jessica and tom jessica and tom okay so let's talk about this for a second uh, i think yeah, this the is answer- a harder is it is it it's a you're right it's not though but (laughs) because listen tom is awful okay yeah a terrible father a terrible man but he is not jessica de laurentis like jessica de laurentis this show doesn't exist without her yeah this show is the story of how this this show is about generational trauma and the way in which Jessica has fucked up her children for generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's ultimately um, the point I, of the show. <laughs> I agree. So I think, like, obviously, I think Jessica is the ultimate bad parent and yeah. in this show. And that's not to make any light of any of the other parents who are equally bad in their own ways. Maybe not yeah. equally, but who are also bad in their own ways. But, like, obviously, I think, like, Jessica is just truly a monster who is the worst parent yeah hands down and yeah and again ultimately none of these other parents buried their child alive yep and it's a low bar bar. but unfortunately not all of the parents were able to meet that bar (laughs) um truly yeah all of this is because even even like all the stuff with like Spencer and Alex Drake, right, is ultimately because of what Jessica did to Mary. Yep. Really, it, it is it is all Jessica's fault. And, you know, lots of people made lots of bad choices, but Jessica is at the root of everything. Like, yeah. it's, it's interesting at the beginning of the show, you think it's Allison, right? You think Allison is sort of at the root of everything. At one point, Allison says something to that effect, right? She's like, I'm under every stone that somebody turns over. But then it turns out it actually wasn't. It wasn't It wasn't Allison. It was yeah. Jessica all along. And I think uh, there's, and actually like not to talk too much about Original Sin, because I know we want to talk about that. But I remember seeing an interview about uh, when it, around when the first season came out and um, Roberto, Mr. Riverdale, he said something along the lines of like, oh, this is about this, this show is about like generational trauma. And I, I really take offense to that. And it kind of shows to me that he never watched the original series because Pretty Little Liars is about generational trauma. Like, yeah, that is the whole thing 
like from start to finish, this is generational trauma in a much subtler way than what Mr. Riverdale was trying to do. Yeah. That's yeah. the parents. That's Jessica, definitive. Jessica's the worst. Yeah. Jessica's hands down the worst. I think that it comes down to negligence versus active psychological harm mm-hmm. and yep. physical harm. Because again, she did bury her alive. Yes. So yeah. So I think you've got to give it to Jessica as terrible as Tom is. Now at the uh, risk of making this episode, I think that that finishes the the main part of this episode, but at the risk yes. of making this longer. Yeah. Should we do minor character roulette? Oh yes. Let us, okay. let us do that. So I've got the, I've got the random generator up and ready. So our, today we are talking about God damn it. Mrs. Welch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just feel like we're starting really with some boring minor characters. We did Mrs. Fitzgerald and now Mrs. Welch. Okay. What do we yeah. have to say about Mrs. Welch? I think she's in love with Ezra. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Welch loves Ezra. Yeah. Um, so my much. favorite thing about Mrs. Welch is at the at the homecoming dance when <laughs> so when Ezra and Arya are working the like some table at this like like carnival themed dance. Um, Arya's there working and like Ezra's working and Mrs. Welch comes and they're having like a weird conversation because they're like kind of broken up right now. Mrs. Welch comes in and is like, "I'm here to relieve you," looking directly at Ezra Fitz, and then. Yes. He says something like, oh, no, like, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. And then she was like, I was talking to Arya. And it's like, no, you weren't. No. <laughs> and you literally and... were looking at Ezra. And was she negging him? Maybe. Was this her Maybe. flirting? Like, Maybe. embarrassing him to make him more susceptible to her advances? Yeah. Maybe that's it. And then they, of I course, think that's what it was. Yeah. And then they, of course, go to an Arthur Miller to a view from a bridge together. Um, yes their first date yeah but then Arya kind of interrupts and that's kind of rude of her yeah anything else about Mrs. Welch I think she seems like a nice lady yeah and ultimately she because there's also a time where she walks in I think to the class to like the classroom or something and like where when Arya and Ezra are talking I don't it feels a little bit like Mrs. Welch's role is to cock block Ezria 100% <laughs> that's her main and I think role she's, I think she's aware of that yeah I think that, that she knows that that's what she's doing she's doing it on purpose because Ezra is yes. hers yes yeah yeah love Mrs. Welch I think yeah I think it's appropriate this will be a short character one given how long we dived into all these other characters yeah <laughs> it's probably for the best but so all right well i think that that's everything yeah that is we've, we've definitively decided jessica's the worst parent honestly in, a, in retrospect yeah. we probably didn't need to do all of this but was it fun it was a real... <laughs> yeah all right well uh do all of the things you're supposed to do with the podcast oh. rate review oh. and i don't know email us if you have thoughts thoughts ideas things something you things you want us to talk about we're always looking for more content we're going to burn through our ideas so. <laughs> all right well cheerios the stack cheerios the stack
takes care of his own.